Greetings and welcome to the Audio Tidbits Podcast Network. We hope you enjoy the show. On your path to success, start with Ian Cummings who said, It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are, then invite Samuel Johnson to join your track. He is the one who said, There lurks, perhaps in every human heart, a desire of distinction, which inclines every man first to hope, and then to believe, that nature has given him something peculiar to himself. You should let Friedrich Nietzsche come along too, for he said, At bottom every man knows well enough that he is a unique being, only once on this earth, and by no extraordinary chance will such a marvelously picturesque piece of diversity and unity as he is, ever be put together a second time. Julius Charles Hare also has some advice that qualifies him to serve as your traveling companion, be what you are. This is the first step toward becoming better than you are. It was your fellow traveler Samuel Johnson, who said, Almost every man wastes part of his life in attempts to display qualities which he does not possess, and to gain applause which he cannot keep. With that in mind, find room in your party for John Mason. You need his wisdom, you were born an original. Don't die a copier. Walter Kaufman reported that Rabbi Zusiah said that on the Day of Judgment, God would ask him, not why he had not been Moses, but why he had not been Zusiah, just be sure you are not asked why you hadn't been you. Tis the good reader that makes the good book, in every book he finds passages which seem confidences or asides hidden from all else and unmistakably meant for his ear, the profit of books is according to the sensibility of the reader, the profoundest thought or passion sleeps as in a mind, until it is discovered by an equal mind and heart, what do you think about that? Is Ralph Waldo Emerson right? Do his words resonate with your sensibility? Is there an equivalence of mind and heart between you and Emerson? Sure, books, like painting and sculpture, music and drama, poetry and other creative endeavors, may annoy or entertain, may agitate or relax, may sedate or enthrall, may inform or merely confuse. Occasionally though, they resonate with one's mind and heart. It is then that the mind and heart of the artist finds an audience. If you are an artist or writer, a scholar or public speaker, an actor or guru, you have been asked, who is your audience? This is a question to which you likely give an answer, but it probably isn't the unvarnished truth. You are likely but another example of others who do what you do. They are the ones with the audience. You are just tagging along, hoping that you can attract part of their audience. If you are more than a copy of others who do what you do, the truth is that you don't have an audience. You do what you do, say what you say, write what you write. If it resonates with the mind and heart of someone, only then do you have an audience. That is as good as it gets, at least as good as it is going to get today. President Eisenhower said, Neither a wise man nor a brave man lies down on the tracks of history to wait for the train of the future to run over him. Proactively boarding the train isn't just a good idea, it's the only ride from the past. As Confucius counseled, they must often change, who would be constant in happiness or wisdom. The advice was in turn, expanded by St. Augustine, if you would attain to what you are not yet, you must always be displeased by what you are. For where you are pleased with yourself there you have remained. Keep adding, keep walking, keep advancing. You may bemoan the ever-changing, uncertainty of life. But as Bertolt Brecht pointed out, because things are the way they are, things will not stay the way they are. Over 400 years ago, Francis Bacon observed, 
he that will not apply new remedies must expect new evils. For time is the greatest innovator. He also noted, things alter for the worse spontaneously, if they be not altered for the better designedly. There is potential good news though. Change always comes bearing gifts, according to Price Pritchett. Sure, those gifts may be a mixed blessing. But as the famous Anon suggested, if nothing ever changed, there'd be no butterflies, and then added, you can avoid having ulcers by adapting to the situation, if you fall in the mud puddle, check your pockets for fish. If butterflies and fish aren't sufficient incentive, keep in mind that, at the bottom line, John Lilly was definitely on target, our only security is our ability to change. Consider this wisdom from Oscar Wilde, it is absurd to divide people into good and bad. People are either charming or tedious. Which are you, charming or tedious? As you ponder the answer, keep in mind that Wilde said that it's one or the other. There is no in-between. If you can benefit from a lesson or so from charm school, Professor Henry Frederick Amell taught, charm is the quality in others that makes us more satisfied with ourselves. Are folks more satisfied with themselves when they have an opportunity to spend time with you? If so, you may be charming. Another charm guru, Albert Camus, instructed, charm is a way of getting the answer yes without having asked any clear question. Do people try to please you without your doing anything specific to prompt their behavior? If so, you may be charming. Henry Van Dyke pointed out, there is no personal charm so great as the charm of a cheerful temperament. Are you usually cheerful and positive about people in life? If so, you may be charming. Marissa Crow, author of The Friend Factory and The Yes Bank, also stepped up to the charm school podium, you treat people the way you want to be treated. Are you nice to people when you want something? Sure you are. You're also nice when you don't want anything. You're nice every chance you get. You're also friendly. You speak to people you know and are interested in them. You talk with people and care about how they feel. Here's your special secret. You take your good manners along everywhere you go. Are you nice? Are you friendly? Do you take your good manners along everywhere you go? If so, you may be charming. And if not, you are, as Wilde observed, merely tedious. Do you worry about how others see you, what they think about you? If you give the perceptions of other people more than passing attention, Oland Miller had an observation worth taking to heart, we probably wouldn't worry about what people think of us if we could know how seldom they do. Be that as it may, Mignon McLaughlin knew how to deal with any low opinions that come your way, life marks us all down, so it's just as well that we start out by overpricing ourselves. Sonia Friedman was definitely on topic when she said, the way you treat yourself sets the standard for others. As W.C. Fields pointed out, it ain't what they call you, it's what you answer to. The famous Anon agreed, if you really put a small value upon yourself, Rest assured that the world will not raise your price. Do you need more support before you take charge of your perceptions of you, of how you value you? If so, Andrew Carnegie has just the words you need, the man who acquires the ability to take full possession of his own mind may take possession of anything else to which he is justly entitled. As you take possession of that which is yours, follow the lead of John Powell, a person can grow only as much as his horizon allows. If your horizon includes the notion that everyone is progressing faster and farther than you, simply set your sights higher. When your horizon is high enough, it is yours alone, 
just waiting for your arrival. The famous Anon offers what frequently passes for good advice. Don't think you're on the right road just because it's a well-beaten path. And most people are more comfortable with old problems and with new solutions. If you are holding back, are just another go-along, don't ignore Dr. Asus' directive, be who you are and say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. John Locke was right when he said, new opinions are always suspected, and usually opposed, without any other reason but because they are not already common. You may want to keep the words of Herman Melville handy, it is better to fail in originality than to succeed in imitation. As Malcolm Muggeridge said, only dead fish swim with the stream. Should you find yourself hassled over your views and opinions, you can quote Fritz Perls, I am not in this world to live up to other people's expectations, nor do I feel that the world must live up to mine. Know that Buddha counseled, believe nothing, no matter where you read it, or who said it even, if I have said it unless it agrees with your own reason and your own common sense. Should you need a closer as you walk away, try this, my manner of thinking, so you say, cannot be approved. Do you suppose I care? A poor fool indeed is he who adopts a manner of thinking for others. My manner of thinking stems straight from my considered reflections. It holds with my existence, with the way I am made. It is not in my power to alter it. And were it, I'd not do so. Donation Alphonse Francoiti said. Music by Kevin McLeod.